Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, what more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. Hey guys, I have a podcast that I think you'll really enjoy. Proof, the investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here is releasing its highly anticipated second season where they investigate the murder of 18-year-old Renee Ramos. The first season, which if you haven't listened to yet, you totally should, saw the release of two Georgia men serving life sentences for murdering their friend, Brian Bowling. And thanks to evidence unearthed by proof, on December 8th, 2022, both Daryl Lee Clark and Kane Joshua Story were finally freed after 25 years behind bars. With that same investigative drive, Susan and Jacinda are on the case again, and this time, they are on the streets of Manteca, California, to find out who really killed Renee Ramos. In proof, murder at the warehouse, you hear how, on June 5th, 2000, Renee's body was found buried beneath a pile of debris inside a new Home Depot building. And how, despite tips hinting at alternate suspects, her boyfriend, 18-year-old Jake Silva, and 33-year-old Ty Lopez were arrested and convicted of her murder. Fans of true crime and investigative series won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long-overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee, by listening to Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking for a new true crime podcast to add to your roster? Then you need to check out Into the Killing, a spinoff of the popular YouTube true crime channel, Criminally Listed. The Into the Killing podcast debuted in December of 2020, but the Criminally Listed team has been providing true crime goodness since 2016, with over 190 million views and 800,000 subscribers on their channel. Each episode of this stellar podcast, perfect for any fans of TV shows like Forensic Files and Cold Case Files, covers one or two cold cases that were eventually solved, some over the course of decades and all covered in detailed, straightforward examinations that provide answers and closure to its listeners. Dive into the different forensic technologies used to solve even the most complicated cases and hear about the history of forensic science that solved individual homicides, serial killings, mass murders, and rampage murders. Listen to episodes ranging from the murders of Linda Mann and Don Ashworth, the first time DNA was used to solve a police investigation, to the disappearance of Eaton Pats, the boy who first appeared on a milk carton, and the murder of nine-year-old May Leung by an infamous serial killer. 
I promise you, you won't be disappointed. You can find Criminally Listed Presents Into the Killing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere you listen to great podcasts. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder... We talk a lot about familial DNA and the incredible leaps forensics have made in solving decades-old cases. But not everyone agrees with the practice. On June 13, 1996, a young girl was raped and murdered in her home. And though a man was jailed not long after in connection with her murder, it would take 20 years and familial DNA to finally put the real man responsible behind bars. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, Sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Angie Ray Dodge, born December 21st, 1977 in Vancouver, Washington, was the youngest of four children and the Dodge's only daughter. She was an incredibly gifted young girl filled with excitement and smarts. After attending preschool in California and moving on to Idaho Falls, Angie spent the rest of her school years excelling and helping others do the same, graduating with honors in 1995 and attending Idaho State University. She was beloved by many, especially her mother, who, on June 12, 1996, told her only daughter that she would always be her baby, that she loved her, and Angie responded she loved her mother, too. It was the last time the two would ever speak. Angie Dodge was just 18 years old, living alone in her very first apartment when, in the early hours of June 13, 1996, she was brutally beaten, raped, and murdered. Two concerned co-workers found her the next morning after she failed to come to work, and the police were notified. Almost immediately, investigators found pieces of evidence that DNA could be taken from, like pieces of hair and semen stains. But since DNA wasn't as advanced at the time, all they could determine was that the samples came from the same person, Angie's killer. They continued to work, but under the assumption that more than one person was involved with her brutal attack. And in January of 1997, police brought in one of the men they thought might be involved. After 100 hours of intense police interrogation, 20-year-old Christopher Tapp confessed to Angie's murder. While this seemed like a win for both the police and the Dodge family, Christopher's confession was inconsistent and contradictory, failed to yield any other suspects, and coupled with the fact that his DNA did not match the samples taken from the scene, it seemed unlikely that he was the culprit. Regardless, Christopher Tapp was tried and convicted of aiding and abetting Angie Dodge's rape and murder. He was sentenced to 30 years in prison. Now, because of a million documentaries and true crime shows, we now know that 100 hours of interrogation behind closed doors can bring forth some questionable confessions. So it's no surprise that in 2001, Christopher was ready to recant what he said and attempted to appeal his conviction, as well as filing several post-conviction relief petitions between 2002 and 2015. All but one was dismissed. He claimed his confession was coerced by police who then fed him information about the crime. And in 2007, the Idaho Innocence Project got involved in Christopher's case where a professor and undergraduate reviewed the interrogation tapes, arriving at the same conclusion, that he was correct and he was coerced. 
These findings helped to rescind the rape charge, changing his sentence from 30 years to 20. But the murder charge stuck, and he was told he must serve the entirety of the 20 years before he could be released. While Christopher continued to serve his sentence, asserting his innocence along the way, and authorities worked to try and find the other men they suspected were involved in Angie's murder, the Innocence Project worked together with an unlikely ally to try and exonerate the man behind bars. Angie's mother, Carol Dodge. Carol, like the others who saw Christopher's interrogation tapes, realized that there was more to the story of her daughter's murder, that this man wasn't involved and that not only did he deserve to be released, but the real man responsible deserved to be punished. The investigation continued and eventually a trail led to an amateur filmmaker in New Orleans named Michael Usry. Michael's father had contributed DNA to the Sorens Molecular Genealogy Foundation, a foundation later acquired by Ancestry.com, and thanks to that contribution, Michael was matched through Y-chromosome familial searching to Angie's case. Unfortunately, despite this initial match and the dark nature of his films, he was cleared as a suspect after a saliva sample was obtained and the case went cold again. Many were outraged that a site like Ancestry could be used in an investigation, calling it unethical, a breach of privacy, and arguing that his father willingly donated his DNA for recreational purposes, so it should not be used to accuse other family members of a crime. As a result, Ancestry took the Sorensen database offline, losing a valuable resource, and the idea of familial DNA was given a very bad reputation. But that didn't mean investigators were going to stop using it. Getting a second chance, familial DNA was used again in 2018. And this time, Parabon Nanolabs in Virginia and GED Match worked to provide a new suspect in Angie's case. They determined that the DNA taken from her scene had come from the grandson or great-grandson of a couple named Clarence Ussery and Cleo A. Landrum. Out of the six males fitting that description, only one had been living in Idaho in 1996. But after tailing him to get a DNA sample, it came back negative. 23 years of work seemed to be spiraling down the drain, but everyone involved in the case seemed motivated by Carol Dodge's desperation and hard work to solve her daughter's case. So they moved to a different genealogy database, FamilyTree.com, and a new distant match came up. A man who was a descendant of all three identified genetic networks, but had no apparent connection to Idaho, Angie, nor any criminal record. An obituary for the man listed a son named Brian Drips, a man who had the same Y chromosomes as the Ussery family, but did not carry that surname, meaning their original connection to the filmmaker was partially correct. Brian was briefly questioned when Angie died in 1996, simply because he was one of her neighbors at the time. But at the time, the 31-year-old denied any knowledge of the crime and claimed to only know Angie as an acquaintance, though he did leave town seven weeks later. He also resembled the genetic phenotyping profile created by Parabon Nanolabs. After retrieving a discarded cigarette butt, they were able to match his DNA to that found at the scene of the crime. He was absolutely their man. Brian Drips was arrested on May 15, 2019, and later confessed to the crime and stated that he acted alone, claiming he only meant to rape her and that the murder was an accident. It seemed that finally Angie's case was coming to a close, and it was time to admit the injustice done to Christopher Tapp. 
He was officially exonerated in July of 2019 thanks to the hard work of the Idaho Innocence Project, Familial DNA, and most importantly, Carol Dodge. After this case and that of the Golden State Killer, Familial DNA got a chance in the spotlight, highlighting its usefulness in solving seemingly unsolvable cases, though many still argue how ethical the practice is. In the end, not everyone will agree, but we cannot ignore the triumphs. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on June 14th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.